This is The Spirit of the Porchlight Network, episode 47 of the Renew the Arts podcast. Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. We're your hosts, Michael Minkoff and Justice Stone. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to cultivate Christian communities in and through the arts by inspiring art patronage and supporting artists. You may notice this is a new mission for us. More on that in a moment. If you'd like to contribute to our work in art sponsorship or collaborative community, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can become a host on the Porchlight Network by visiting porchlight.art and clicking Interested in Hosting. You could also join our patron community today on Patreon. It's really easy, and it starts at a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts to learn more. It's been a while since we've had a podcast, and I am very sorry, personally, very sorry about that. It is almost entirely my fault, <laughs> like actually almost entirely my fault. Um, but we've also been really, really busy, and we got a lot of exciting things to talk to you about today, and I've got Justice with me, and um, we're going to do things a bit differently because Porchlight, which you may or may not have heard of, I hope you have heard of it, or we're not doing a very good job on messaging. <laughs> um, but if you haven't heard of it, it is an arts and hospitality network that we just launched this last year, and it's had a lot of growth and just been exploding, actually. Um, Almost overwhelmingly, it's one of those things where it's like the biggest problem that we have right now is our own success, um, which is great. And new for also, us. Tr- tr- yeah, very new for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today I'm going to, I wanted to talk a little bit about Porchlight, uh, a couple of things. First, how how it came to be, and it's pretty much Justice's brainchild, so I'm going to be picking his brain as if I don't know what's in there. And uh, <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> Hope we get something out of it that's interesting. Uh, and then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the spirit that we want to cultivate in Porchlight, both uh, with the artists and with the hosts. And so, first, a little background uh, about how we got around to the Porchlight picture, which started as a vision pivot. And so tell us a little bit about like what 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 happened that like what were the problems that were generating these these questions and these uh, reconsiderations on our part. Right. So before we even necessarily decided to launch Porchlight, like you said, we were kind of shifting gears at Renew the Arts. And um, yeah, there was a, a really critical time and it was kind of a short amount of time where several things happened all at once. Um, I remember I was on the way I was uh on a flight from Atlanta to LA where I was attending a, a Praxis Labs event, um, which is an organization I highly recommend. Um, it's basically uh, a collective of Christian entrepreneurs and mentors and all kinds of stuff. It's really great. You can look them up online. Um, Andy Crouch is one of their mentors and uh, does a lot of content for them. But anyway, I was flying out for a five-day um, uh, kind of you know conference experience. And on the flight out, I read Donald Miller's Story Brand, which is kind of a marketing book. Um, And I was trying to, you know, it helps you articulate your vision. But what was interesting enough is that it accomplished a very different thing for me. I was reading it and I realized that I had kind of misjudged who the hero was in the story of the arts and renew the arts and the artists that we were working with and our donors and everything like that. And I realized that... um, by kind of placing ourselves as, by placing Renew the Arts as kind of 
the entity that had to save the day, we took all the burden, I guess, responsibility, and even the joy out of real people stepping in and helping in tangible ways in artists' lives. And um, that wasn't going to really work in the, in the long term. And I was trying to figure out, historically speaking and moving forward, what would it look like for people to help artists? I know that that sounds like a really basic question, but it was a, a, a very important one. And then I attended Praxis, and it was a phenomenal reorient for me to realize that our primary audience should probably actually not be artists, even though they're the ones we want to serve. Our primary audience was probably going to be the donors um, and especially patrons that could help the artists. Because if we could um, inspire them, then the work of supporting artists would be relatively easy. Right. But when you first brought this idea back to me and we're like, I think we really need to seriously pivot toward patronage, mm -hmm. like focusing on patronage, uh, the, a, a little part of me resisted that because I was like, our whole point here is to serve the artists. The artists are underserved. Right. Um, but we started thinking about it together. And one of the major issues for the artists that we ran into over and over and over and over again is that we were releasing their work into a void. Right. So it was like we could do these great projects and we would put the money and the and the man hours and, and the elbow grease into making them happen. Then we would release them and there was no audience, mm -hmm. which was almost worse than not even having the art made in some ways. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's not. Like, it's not, the, yeah, yeah. The yeah, artists I know appreciated yeah. it, but at the same time, it's such a disappointment to work so hard on something and then release it and it's like, Crickets. Yeah, nothing. You know, and so uh, by focusing on patronage, there's this solution to that problem, which actually ends up serving the artists. Mm -hmm. And um, so the other issue that we were having was that, well, we had the two frames. So we had the, the sponsor creation and cultivating conversation. Mm -hmm. And we were doing a good job of making uh, art. Um, and, you know, lots of projects we worked on everything. And I think we were doing a pretty good job of trying to have conversations. But I've, I felt like, and, and I mean, you can confirm or deny, but I felt like we were reaching a brick wall in terms of at least the leadership of the church being willing to, uh, I don't know, help us, work with us, et cetera. There was a lot of suspicion mm -hmm. about it. And what we found over and over and over again is that we would go in particular church environments and the congregation would be like, what you're saying fills a deep need in my heart and mm -hmm. it feels so right and I think that you guys are correct. We talked to pastors at those same churches and the pastor would be like, hold your horses now. Mm. You know, how is this gonna change things? Mm -hmm. And it was uh, very uncomfortable for them to contemplate that much change in the way that they were approaching things. And there's lots to, that could be said about that. But we were like, what if we just engaged these church members yeah. directly? There's definitely an element of that. I think that even more importantly was realizing we wanted to change people without serving them. You mean before? Before, yeah. yeah, previously. So this idea of like whether it's a church pastor or even just people in the congregation, there was this idea that the church approaches art in a wrong way, mm -hmm. which is true in a large part. Um, 
And so we had these things to fix. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you actually have an audience of people you're trying to change. Mm -hmm. Which means that they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. And well, honestly, yeah. that's- I mean, who wants to be approached in that way? Uh, I would, but I, I've, <laughs> what I've found, what I've found is that uh, the way that I appreciate being approached and the straightforwardness of that, whatever, and just get to the pointness of it, I'm not. That's my. I am the problem here. A, a so. little, a little bit, a little bit, yes, but also, and I know this from being your friend for a long time, that even then, you like direct communication, but it's built on trust that someone is trying to serve you, and I don't think we had that organizationally or interpersonally. We wanted to change a lot of people without establishing a relationship of service with them. Meaning, so we had we served right, artists. Serve the artists. This 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 was mm -hmm. the paradigm. Mm -hmm. We're here to serve artists. You need to figure it out and help us serve artists. Mm -hmm. You need to change, so that we can better serve artists. Exactly. You're the you're the obstacle. Right. And uh, yeah, and you you pointed that out with the video, the Mike Meet Micah video. That, right. That the part of it that really annoys you at this point is the end where it's like help us help them you know right. it's like and in marketing terms with the whole story brand thing that's yeah, making that us the hero right. instead of them but it, but in a really real way that's reflective of i think a proud posture mm -hmm. on my part well i don't know about yours i i think i i'm claim i will claim that either way it's mine on our part it was a proud posture where we wanted to change people without first asking how we could serve them. Mm -hmm. And so if our audience, since the artists are already doing what they should be doing, let's just assume, mm -hmm. and what we really need is to step in and serve, you know, support them, then what really needs to happen? You need to develop a community, a community of support. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if that's your primary goal or your primary audience, that's what, if that's what your main job to do is, in your hopes of serving artists is to create this community of support, then approaching them just with change, you know, so that you can help these other people over here instead of us saying, we're here to serve you and your felt needs, mm -hmm. right? And change will occur, right. but this is modeled after Jesus. How did Jesus change people? He served them. He was mm -hmm. incredibly humble. He became the lowest and, you know, washed the disciples' feet. And so this idea of, and I think that this is actually a toxic way of approaching change in almost every sector right now where it's most simple to try to force people into the change you want to see. Mm -hmm. But the messier and more difficult, but ultimately far more productive way of changing people is by serving them. And it helps them become open to change, but even more importantly, it makes you open to realizing what they actually need, mm -hmm. right? And what this whole situation actually needs. And it's been interesting that as we've committed to this pivot, I realized that I wasn't thinking deeply about the role of anyone but the artists in the church and how mm -hmm. they interact with the arts. Mm -hmm. One of the huge revelations was... Um, if it's true that the arts are profound and can bring a huge amount of value to your life, and there are people out there, whether they're donors or patrons or just audience members, and this kind of depth of experience is missing from their lives, why does my heart not want to introduce them to these experiences that will enrich their life? Mm -hmm. Like right? invite them into that yeah, wonderful exactly. experience. Right? I was hoping they would just support us so we could go help artists. I wasn't realizing the way in which they were underserved mm -hmm. and trying to figure out 
how to use our tools and our relationships with musicians and artists and all of the knowledge that we have about, you know, the importance of the arts and the enrichment that it can bring to your life and bringing that to them to serve them with. So once I started noticing that and realizing, oh man, like the our posture towards the audience members and donors and patrons and, you know, everyone else but the artists, basically, our posture towards these people is one of not caring. And so what would it look like if we figured out how to care for them? Mm-hmm. And that really got me thinking about trying to pivot. Because even strategically speaking, if we could capture that audience, if we could if we could really resonate with that audience, then our job of serving musicians and artists down the road becomes basically a matter of fact. Yeah, it, it, and it, yeah, for sure. And so with that in mind, we immediately started working on a new mission and vision and giving it to the board. And, you know, <laughs> at the risk of this uh, kind of bogging down in, in technicalese or whatnot, I do want to talk a little bit about the the mission and vision that we came to. You heard it at the beginning of the podcast. We haven't abandoned the idea that Christian creativity should be liberated. Um, but liberate Christian creativity is in some ways a motto or a call to arms or something like that. It's not uh, – it wasn't giving us a specific enough goal that we were trying to reach. And so we came up with what we believe to be a more modest and simple and probably achievable, or at least, you know, short-term achievable uh, goal. And um, that is with the mission is to cultivate Christian communities in and through the arts by inspiring art patronage and supporting artists, which is pretty straightforward. But the real focus of it is that idea of cultivating Christian communities. And in some ways, rather than us becoming the middlemen that try and keep people on the you know one side or the other, or at least effectively do whether we meant to or not, actually bring them together and try to create a partnership, a collaborative partnership, mm-hmm. um, and have that more of as a spirit of of what we're trying to do. Um, and the new vision is to see patrons and artists partnered. There you go, in communities to create art that enriches our lives, shapes our homes, and helps us love our neighbors. And a lot of that language and a lot of that thought came from this idea that uh, that we've just been talking about, that we, we, we see a lot of division, we see a lot of um, self-centeredness um, in ourselves, in the arts, in everywhere. And uh, how do we... How do we break through that and and actually get back to really the the Christ-centered way of just like focusing on service? Like mm-hmm. how can you serve other people and give yourself to them and actually achieve influence through that mm-hmm. um, and rather than coercion, rather than manipulation, but actually seek for influence and persuasion through service and self-giving. Mm-hmm. And that's really Jesus's way and you see it all throughout. So that's what we're trying to work on. Um, as always, let us know if we're doing a poor job, <laughs> uh, but that's where we're trying to be right now. And so I want to talk a little bit, if it's all right, yeah. um, about uh, the spirit that we want to cultivate in Porchlight. And before that, um, tell me, Justice, why does Porchlight uniquely satisfy the needs that we've been talking about and sort of the, the, the goals of our mission and vision? Yeah. Well, in the mission statement, you almost hear a little bit of the strategy where it's cultivating Christian communities in and through the arts, 
by inspiring art patronage and supporting artists. So you have these three elements, community, patronage, and support. Um, and I think that uh, if you are able to develop experiences um, that people gather around that are profound enough and that serve them enough, and that goes to the mission or the vision statement where it talks about profound and enriching or, uh, you know, and, and the kind of art that helps us love our neighbors. If you are able to cultivate those kind of experiences with the arts, then hopefully a result of that will be patronage. And of course, an obvious result of patronage, well, it's in it in itself, is that support of the artists. Mm-hmm. And it becomes kind of a feedback loop because once artists are supported, then they create art, which communities gather around. So um, as far as how you know, Porchlight specifically plays into it, so you have this, this vision and, and a huge chunk of it is inspiring patronage. Like how do we get the church or the people of the church, how do we get believers to become patrons again? The church used to actually do this quite a lot. Um, the church corporate, but also the individuals within the church. It used to be a very common thing as Christians to commission pieces of art that served the city and served, served the, the community. Um, that has fallen out of practice and um, it's an easy thing to say, hey, we're going to make new patrons of the arts. It's a very difficult thing. And I was met with a lot of skepticism when I was kind of shopping this around. But um, it's a very different thing to actually do it. It's like, okay, sure, new patrons of the arts, everyone wants that. That mm-hmm. sounds great. How do you actually do that? Where are they? Where are mm-hmm. the people that would even become that mm-hmm. if they're not even it right now? Um, so where, you know, where are the candidates who, uh, you know, of, of people who would move into that role? And maybe people have been searching wrong for that because maybe they're doing their global wealth finder and trying to figure out who the richest people in their communities are and stuff like that. And so they're like, hey, you're a rich person. You could be a patron of the arts. And that's the only way that we're really thinking about it. Well, there are all kinds of motivations for becoming – you know, for seeking someone out to be a patron or even for being a patron. Um, a lot of times it's built around hierarchies of cool, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like social hierarchies, mm-hmm. um, uh, even status, you know, yeah, creating status. There are all kinds of ways. We're not totally interested in all of that. Um, in fact, we'd rather eschew <laughs> we're that. We're not totally interested. We're only partially No, <laughs> no, we'd rather eschew those approaches to the arts. Um, what we're really looking for Whenever we think of an ideal patron as someone who's um, truly generous and genuine and in legitimate relationships with artists and has a collaborative spirit towards the arts and is able to help either financially or in other ways. This seems like an ideal time to interrupt and thank profusely some of our new patrons on Patreon who are long overdue for a shout out. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Eric Swanson, Hope Newman-Kemp, Jordan Davis, Brian Dean, Kevin Drindle, and Austin Smith. Thank you so very much for your patience and for your support. To all of our Patreon supporters and cheerleaders, thank you so much for being in this with us. And if you want to help us make this podcast, serve patrons, and support the arts, you can join us on patreon.com forward slash renew the arts. I don't know. I guess we have one of our fundamental assumptions is that you can't convince someone to be an art patron by like talking them into it mm-hmm. um i remember whenever i talked to people about this pivot they said oh so you're like an educational organization like you're here to educate people into becoming patrons like mm-hmm. you know patronage 101 you mm-hmm. know 
And um, right off the bat, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I've been to so many. Well, we've been doing it for 10 years and well, exactly. not being able to get it out of you know, so. Exactly. <laughs> and, and not just us. I've seen yeah. tons of, um, you know, like-minded organizations, like-minded people, philosophers, artists, professors, you know, influencers who have mm-hmm. been taking that approach podcasts, blogs, articles, books, lectures, conferences, mm-hmm. all of it, all the didactic, all the teaching type mm-hmm. lecture type method. And um, there's a there's a strange irony where these people who are trying to accomplish know the power of embodied truth and they know the formative power of beauty. But then when they're trying to actually convince someone of that, they fall into Lecture. Propositions. They fall lecture, into propositions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wait, I thought you knew better. Yeah. It's like if you want someone to become a patron, give them an experience. Mm-hmm. Like you and I care about art, mm-hmm. not because we came to some conclusion reading a book somewhere, but because of the profound effect that certain art had in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that made us that developed a habit in us to find those deep wells of meaning mm-hmm. and of truth and of beauty that actually made our lives more worth living. And so you can't just talk someone into that. It's like food. Mm-hmm. No one asks for a recipe before they've tasted the food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, have you ever just described a recipe and someone's like, can I, can you, can you, or described a dish and say, okay, can you give me that recipe? It's always you serve someone, you invite someone into an experience with the food, mm-hmm. they eat it, and then maybe there's some didactic type right. propositional right. Right. explanations yeah. and maybe some like reviews. Because everybody likes to confirm that the thing that they just tasted was in fact good and to talk about why it was so good. Um, but It starts with the experience. It, it, it does. And even even biblically speaking... There's lots of different experientially oriented, like the idea of taste and see that God is good, right? right? It's not like there is a lot of hear, you know, hear and listen, um, uh, obviously, but there's also taste and see, mm-hmm. and and there's there are there's a sense in which the goodness of God has to be experienced in order for it to be believed, and um, so in some ways that that I think that is part of what uh, works about Porchlight because I mean, we did. 50 shows last uh, this last season, and we're going to do a bunch more this season, we hope. Mm-hmm. And um, you had all of these people who gave so much and so freely, and at the end of it, felt like they had been the ones who received the blessing. Mm-hmm. And it is true. I mean, if Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive, if the spirit of the church actually believed that, like if the church actually believed that, then we would all be fumbling over each other, competing with each other, trying to give. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'll give. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know. Like, and um, what a different kind of environment that would be. One, you know, and so it sounds so foreign, but literally, I hear stories like that from the porchlight hosts and artists all the time, mm-hmm. where it's like this host was amazing. Like they took such care of me. And then the the musician would say, right? And then the host would yeah. be like, that musician oh, was incredible. Just, they just brought us, yeah. you know, and it's like- So thoughtful. Yeah. So considerate. It's like, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> right. So if you can't talk someone into patronage, they have to experience, you know, you have to invite them into an experience that kind of, you know, turns the light switch on. And so it was like, okay, so that's a good, I think whether we're right or wrong, that's 
we believe that and that's our assumption moving forward. So right. what kind of experiences are unique and profound enough to move someone from just being having like a consumeristic mindset toward art to being to having a, 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 an incredibly profound experience so that they're moved into relationship with the art, hopefully with the artist too, because relationship with artists is a big part of patronage um, in, in such a way that they would, you know, move into that role of patronage. So after chewing on that for a while, one really great option was uh, house shows, especially mm. when it comes to music. So mm. there are different options and we actually hope eventually to expand into other media. But since music is our wheelhouse, we're just, you know, we're going to stick with music for the, you know, to launch and to figure you know, work out the kinks. So in the context of music, we thought that house shows are the best option of cultivating those kind of unique, profound, relational experiences that might move either the host or audience members or the community in general into a different posture towards the arts, which might include eventually patronage. Mm -hmm. Well, and in a sense, the idea that hospitality is patronage. Totally. Right. Exactly. So, so those hosts and yeah. some, you know, yeah, they're already patrons. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that was an important thing, too. And we'll talk about that a little bit. In fact, we're going to talk about it right now. Uh, <laughs> Great transition. <laughs> after uh, after this word from our sponsors. <laughs> that after this. And <laughs> that, now. <laughs> and now. Um, so let's talk about the spirit we want to cultivate in Porchlight in, among the hosts and the artists. I have it written here, hosts first, but... Um, and it's a good segue from what we were just talking about. So we have three things that we want to see hosts committed to. Mm. And um, so this is both things we're looking for in hosts on the Porchlight Network, but also things that we're wanting to cultivate, grow, water, nurture within the spirit of the organization because it's important to us. And, and you know. You can't be asking for something and then fighting against it systemically at the same time and expect for the results to be what you're purportedly asking for. Right. Um, and so this is a spirit we're also trying to cultivate in ourselves as well. Uh, so we want to see hosts committed to, one, hospitality, two, growth, and three, relationship. Those are our three things that we have been thinking a lot about. And in terms of hospitality... Uh, we're talking about radical generosity and openness. So tell us how the Porchlight Network um, helps with or, or, you know, is oriented around this radical generosity and openness. Um, well, yeah. So once we figured out that house shows was a great way to do it, then, you know, came the question of how do we actually structure it and stuff. And one of the very first, you know, an, early on, it became one of the questions was, is this a network where people can host shows and get a, a cut of the income, mm -hmm. which is not a necessarily Nothing immoral about no, that. There's no, there's no wrong way of doing that. Um, or excuse me, there's no, there's nothing inherent, inherently wrong in doing it that because way. Because there's definitely wrong ways there of doing that. There is a wrong way of doing that. And we've heard terrible stories right. of, of house shows where the host was mainly just doing it as a, as a side hustle. And ended up and like, cutting off all the artists <laughs> in the end in order to get their minimum. And so the artists came to play to got nothing so that the host could get like, the money. Like, yeah, we don't want to create a structure that incentivizes that kind of action. So early on, we made the decision... Um, that even though it was a tall order, uh, that hosts wouldn't get a cut, um, even though they totally deserve it. Um, but what's interesting is that that brings 
hosts who are doing this out of hospitality, you know, a heart for hospitality, a heart for generosity. Um, and that the, you know, it's like, well, what do hosts get out of it? It's like, you tell me, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's this, there's this, and I've been asked that so many times. It's like, so wait, what are the hosts getting out of this? And it's like, why would you host a party? Why does anyone host anything? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's almost like this goodness in their own hearts gets satisfaction in putting this kind of thing on. Satisfaction enough to keep doing it just because. Well, and I mean, if you talk to the hosts, which, you know, we have interviews and stuff from them and, and, oh, and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can check it out. Um, they'll all talk to about the profound experiences that they're having, even in just the experience of the art and surrounding it and preparing for the artists, having opportunities to, I mean, most of them have dinner with the artists before shows. Uh, oftentimes artists are staying in their houses and, uh, and then leaving the next day mm-hmm. and, or, you know, in a guest area or whatever. And so uh, you have the opportunity to talk, to spend time, to actually get personally engaged with these extremely creative and interesting people mm-hmm. who then bring their, you know, highly crafted um, work before you and your friends. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, is that worth a little bit of time and energy and money? Like, you know, like you said, you tell me, man, like the hosts have all been saying definitely yes. Yep. So like that, that they'll do it again and they, and, and, and they want more and they want more. And can, can we have that artist again sometime? And, right. and who else do you have? Yeah. It's so the other, yeah. the it's other, its own reward. It is. And well, again, it's more blessed to give than to receive, mm-hmm. it, 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 which means that there's a, a certain sense in which you can learn in Christ likeness to give for like the joy of what you get from giving, right? Which is really weird, but I know. it's true. That, that's how God is. So, I, like, you know, I'm, I'm for it. Um, and then the other part of the hospitality is the openness. Um, and one of the things that we're trying to do, and this is more my side of things a little bit, because uh, I I do the artist onboarding and and uh, meet with all the artists beforehand and um, on Zoom and such and listen to their music and all this other kind of stuff. And one of my thoughts regularly is about the hosts. Like, are they, I don't necessarily want hosts to have whatever taste they currently have to just be confirmed in some kind of an echo chamber Mm. where it's just like, they just keep on, I like what I like and I keep liking what I like. I want to introduce them to legitimately good and well-crafted things that may be slightly on the fringes of where they're currently at, what they Mm -hmm. could currently receive. Um, over time so that they can learn to appreciate a broader variety of things. And that will, I believe, and I hope, cultivate that sort of openness to the the broader, deeper, larger realm of the arts, which is actually humongous. Yeah. And so uh, that's one of the things we're working at, but we're also looking for hosts that have openness. And in some ways, the, 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 the structure of Porchlight almost requires it. And, and that openness will continue to thrive as our curation is appropriate, yeah. meaning part of that openness is trust mm-hmm. of us saying, right. this artist will serve you well. Right, right. And, and so that'll definitely be kind of a long play mm-hmm. where hosts will learn if we're successful if, and if we're good at taking care of hosts and putting their needs mm-hmm. at the top of our priority, um, which is what we've been trying to do this whole time. like. 
how do we create experiences that will deeply and profoundly serve hosts? Right. And if the solution, or if the answer to that is this artist and this artist, who mm-hmm. you may not have heard of, but if right. you go out on a limb yeah. and host them, you're gonna you're gonna have quite an evening. Well, and it's always the going out on a limb. I mean, that that risk taking is the whole part of the reward. Mm-hmm. You take that little risk, you take that little step, you open yourself up to this new experience, and then that's when you get blown away. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you get disappointed because mm-hmm. that's what a risk is. <laughs> right. Right. But just opening yourself up to that. Uh, creates the opportunity also for that reward. And it's a much different kind of feeling and a kind of reward than you can get when you're just staying in your comfortable lane and your complacency with that. And a lot of the hosts have been really open to that. And a lot of the hosts will tell stories about that kind of stuff. Things didn't work out the way we thought. It was going to be like this. And then it started to rain. And we didn't know that. that, So we had to go over here and we had to ask these people for help. We had to reach out to these people. And then they came in and then we started working with them. And it's like, and then the night went off and it was great. And it was a success. And it was like an adventure. It was better than it would have been. Yeah. Because everyone was carrying chairs and and like it became a group effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is like such a perfect picture of what we're trying to do. This idea of like making culture is a group effort. And I'm tired of, I don't know, the mindset of how it's divided up to where you go over there and create and then I'll stream it on Netflix. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, that's not a group. It's totally transactional and 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 physically separated and socially separated. It's mm-hmm. just entirely compartmentalized. Right Instead of like, Whenever you go to a house show, something beautiful is made because all of you are there. Mm-hmm. Not because the artist was there, not because the host was there, not because the audience was there, but because y'all all pitched in and it results in this resonant, mm-hmm. harmonious event where everyone made something incredible. Right. So that <laughs> that kind of openness uh, leads to this idea of growth, which is part of what we're talking about as well. Um, the and one of the things that we're working with, working on in the network is to to continue to grow uh, the patrons and grow artists and continue to grow as a group in unity, but also in openness to hearing from one another, and that's how this this works. Um, the the third part of it because we kind of covered the growth and the hospitality at the same time because they are really interconnected. Sure. The yeah. You mean like growth of taste? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're right. An expanded horizon. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And and just this like growing appreciation for the value of material goodness, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole other huge conversation. But there's a lot of abstraction and a lot of hyper-spiritualization and Gnosticism latent, and we've talked about that before. And so this uh, this devotion to the good of your neighbor and the good of your community, the material good, like the blessing and benefit mm-hmm. of your of, of your neighbor, and learning how, you know, learning the difference between really good and not really good, and actually pursuing that excellence does have uh, evangelistic and spiritual benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's not, when it hasn't just become a rejection of God for self-pleasure, but that's obviously not what we're talking right, about. Right, right. Um, and so anyway, then beyond that and connected to that is this idea of relationship, that third thing that we're really trying to work with, which is we want them to to commission over consuming. So rather than being consumers separated, distant from the artists, we want them to be commissioners and to develop relationships with both artists and with their neighbors. Really cool thing about Porchlight, if you want people to show up, 
you can ask the same people over and over again, and they might end up showing up over and over again. That might happen. But for a lot of hosts, what we what I've found being a host on Porchlight is um, that you can't necessarily count on the same kinds of people being able to be there every time. You have to start to grow your uh, pool. And, you know, I've got neighbors I've never met. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth. I have neighbors I've never met. Like, what stops me from going over to my neighbor and saying, hey, going to have a show, free food, free drinks, come on over, it's going to be great, mm-hmm. great artists, good music, hang out, get to know you, be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm developing relationships with my neighbors and my community as well, and I'm presenting something from my own resources that is actually good for the community and potentially uh, creating avenues through which the truth can do its work. And um, so like that, that I think... I want to see that more and more in the patrons. And again, the, the the network actually drives that kind of relationship. You have to, you're going to develop relationships with the artists and your communities and other hosts in your area and Christians across the country and all this other kind of stuff. It, mm-hmm. It's just there. It's, 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 what it's just happening. Yeah. There's no, so. almost no way to not. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So that's kind of a wrap up on the hosts, on yeah. the spirit that we're looking for is that mm-hmm. openness growth and relationship mm-hmm. and that they're committed to those things and so far i think how many hosts do we have so we launched in uh october of 2020 so it's been about a year and a half now and we have around 200 hosts which is just incredible it really is yeah especially considering what we're asking of them from totally. the get-go Totally. We didn't really expect that they were just going to sign up like, you know, oh, you want me to give freely and not receive anything <laughs> materially in return aside from an incredible spiritual experience that I don't even know necessarily whether or not it's valuable. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we're looking yep. for. <laughs> Hoping. Yeah. And everyone's like, ding, 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 sign me up. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so artists obviously have been really interested in signing up for this um, because we kind of launched this accidentally around the same time where – all of the conventional venues were drying up because of COVID. Well, that definitely was part of it. Like once we were thinking of this pivot and everything and then COVID hit and we were trying to figure out how could we best serve musicians during COVID, um, the house show network was this incredible overlap of those two needs where Mm -hmm. it it met our need of trying to reinvigorate patronage, um, but also met the need, you know, a felt need, current need of musicians who were not able to play shows in typical venues because it's not safe. You know, they're basically metal boxes, cram as many people in there as you can. And that's just not COVID friendly. So it was like, well, if we launch this, we could do backyard shows, right? Mm -hmm. Outdoors, socially distanced. We could do, even if they're indoors, you know, smaller numbers. So that really, you know, drops tip, you know, uh, potential transmission rates and stuff like that. So And majority friends and family anyway. Exactly. You're already around each other. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's why it kind of lit a fire for us to really pull, you know, do it in, um, October of 2020. And, uh, so yeah, we launched it then have 200 hosts signed up now, um, and counting and, uh, musicians kind of lined up out, out the door and around the block. I think we did, uh, 100 or 95 or something like 95 or a hundred artists, uh, interviews. Yeah. That uh, sounds about right. 
and uh, and we have like 45. I mean, just imagine on average how many shows a given musician may want to play in a year. Yeah. And then multiply that by 100. Right. It's like, whoa, nope. Yeah. Slow down. But hopefully we're able to scale um, so that we can have a little bit wider of a bottleneck uh, to let more folks in. So Right. And that we'll talk about a little bit later. But first... I want to talk about what I want from my artists. Oh, yeah. So let's talk from about my like, artists. From your roster. <laughs> you take a lot of ownership. Well, Michael's the director of Artist Care, so yeah, I, you do have a lot of ownership in it. I do, and I, and I love uh, talking with and working with the artists. And I've noticed, um, I've noticed some qualities that are in common with most of the artists. Uh, oddly, that what is in common between all the artists is not necessarily the same degree of technical skill. It's not uh, the same style. Um, I am pretty open even to music that I don't necessarily like all that much being mm-hmm. on the network as long as I think it's going to serve the hosts in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, as, and as long as the artists meet these three criteria. Okay, what are these three? <laughs> oh, well, they are. Uh, first, humility. And second, authenticity. And three, service. So it's the same kind of idea. I'm looking for artists that are committed to these three um things as a as a spirit um humility is uh well for our purposes it's an eagerness to receive critique and grow and it's a willingness to persevere through setbacks Mm. so so what i've noticed with a lot of the artists that i talk to is i'm I'm going um how how many records have you tried to make up to this point Mm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's like well i haven't gotten a deal yet or you know i haven't really been able to get it you know out there and all this other kind of stuff and it's just like no no man i know i know artists that have no support that have no money that have been making you know garage band uh recordings in their bedroom for you know five years just trying to get better or even if it's not records, like you know what I mean. Yeah, they're out there. They're out there, like playing shows. Exactly. Like doing all kinds of stuff. And trying to persevere, and that's really important to me because I, I I believe that in the, and this will get to the the issue of service. But a lot of times, if the idea is I want to serve myself and I want to be served, well, like I have a network full of hosts that want to serve. But I would like to protect them from people who are self-serving, right? Because that's a, that's the quickest way to destroy the network, right? <laughs> you totally. Know? Um, and so uh, I'm real. I really am looking for not fake humility, actual humility. And thankfully, I'm a pretty abrasive person, um, which means I'm perfect for this job because I can detect really early on. And if you think, oh, I could fake my way through it, and you're not, I'm, I'm going to say something <laughs> or do something where you're going to be like, ugh, I don't like that. Uh, and, uh, and then we'll see uh, how you- And then we'll uh, see. Then we'll see how you really are. Um, and I don't do that in any kind of a mean-spirited way. In, in, in many ways, it is just the way that God made me. Uh, which is what I was saying earlier. Like I, I, I like to speak straightforwardly, and I like people to speak straightforwardly to me um, more than most, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a limit, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, because of that, I, 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 um, I'm ideally suited to detect whether or not a person can actually receive feedback and critique mm-hmm. in a um, in a productive way, and it's pretty easy to see when a person is not that way, mm-hmm. and it's also pretty easy to not let them on the network. <laughs> you're, you're really showing people uh, our hand. That's uh, okay. 
It, that's what I said. You can come in and think. You can try. You can try. Gotcha. There, right. there is a, uh, there's a shtick here that I like to talk about where um, when we call, we call Porchlight an art and hospitality network. And a lot of people hear that and think, oh, right, yeah, because the musicians make the art and the hosts provide the hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really, eh, that's a fair read, mm-hmm. granted. Mm-hmm. But um, on an operational level, I actually think that that's not it. Um, ho- hosts provide hospitality, but so do the musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, this community is only going to work if everyone has each other's interests at heart. Um, Because celebrity culture is basically like, how can all of this attention and money and power serve me? Mm -hmm. Um, And be leveraged by me to get more money and power. Yeah. Yeah. There's this terrible thing that happened at Astroworld. Are you familiar with it? Astroworld is apparently this giant venue. It's like, you know, a mega venue. Mm. Um, I can't even remember like where in the country it is. Um, but yeah, it's Astro World. It's called Astro World. And there's this event. It was this rapper who had this big concert. And um, like between six and 12 people died um, because the venue hadn't properly provided enough water and enough like, you know, all kinds of stuff. But then like, so the venue was at fault for a lot of operational and they didn't have enough security was another one. So there were a lot of logistics and operational. Mm-hmm. You could call them oversights. Maybe they're a little worse than mm-hmm. oversights. Like criminal negligence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then like the what the people actually died from, besides just a lot of them getting dehydrated, the ones that died died because they were dehydrated on the crown, but then they got trampled. So like the crowd wanted to get closer to the artist you know, mm-hmm. pushing toward mm-hmm. the stage. Mm-hmm. And they, the people died because they were trampled under underfoot, you know, by other crowd members. So we haven't had that many of those kind of concerts on the Porchlight Network. Well, well <laughs> no, but there's a really interesting foil here. So yeah. so you you have the, the, the crowd and then the venue and then the artist actually was told, hey, stop the show. People are dying. And he kept playing. Now, this has actually happened before. People have died at concerts. It's not totally unheard of. There there are cases of accidental death and trampling where the band stops playing. Yeah. It's like, all right, settle yeah, 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 down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone take a step back. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the musician just kept playing music until like literally like the sound system shut or, you know, it, like things shut down. And the musician's response was, everyone join me and flip, give the bird to the, to the, to the sky. It's like... F, mm. I don't even know what. Yeah, I mean, what? This Just day? This day, this sucks, you know? <laughs> like, um, So th- there's this terrible, and I don't want it to be, this is the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. Even though, you know, it's still music, it's still a show. In some ways, it's the same thing. But in every real way, it's the opposite. Because right. the musician only cares about their show. And if something's getting in the way of the attention being on them, it leads to rage. Right. Because they aren't getting the attention and and the the platform that they signed up for. Same thing for the host. The host was cutting costs, not providing enough water, not providing enough security because mm-hmm. the the Bottom well-being line, exactly, the well-being of the audience 
and potentially of the musician was not their highest priority. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when everyone in a concert context is after their own good. This is like celebrity culture at its worst. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to accomplish basically the exact opposite. And it is interesting that that humility on the part of the artist is connected to the hospitality on the part of the uh, patron and that there's a sort of like mutual self-giving that happens that mm-hmm. really makes the network work. work. It, it really wouldn't work. I, I'm, I'm boggled that it does work, to be honest. Like it's kind of a little miracle every time these things go off. Right. And bo- at both parties are like giving of themselves. Well, it and, is a miracle. Yeah, and I know it is a miracle. It's a miracle because uh, as much as Jesus is a miracle, mm-hmm. like he modeled a life that is so incredible and like almost impossible, mm-hmm. impossible without the spirit. Mm-hmm. But you have this this upside down world that he proposes that really does work entirely against the grain with how, you know, money and power and prestige and celebrity functions. Right. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, it's kind of where we have a lot of language, and a, a, a lot of faith-based language. Um, and people ask me if it's a Christian network. And it's like, well, it's not Christian in that like we would exclude non-Christian, like unbelieving hosts, for example. We mm-hmm. would totally be fine if, if they if they agree to these principles of humility and hospitality. It's mm-hmm. like... We're not Christian in the way, in the sense that we say we're here and you're there. We're mm-hmm. not exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. But we are Christian in that we try as best we can to emulate the hospitality of Jesus right. and like the sacrifice of Jesus in serving and putting others first, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately, long term, that's the only way that you're actually going to achieve to achieve a community that is this collaborative and hospitable and productive. It's it's that's the only way. Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, not to like I don't tend to get unnecessarily theological, but in this practical way, the emulation of Jesus's heart of hospitality is the only way to achieve this kind of community and network that will actually function right. I agree with you 100%. And it is Christ-likeness, ultimately. I mean, if, if we if we were to just put the spirit we want to cultivate in Porchlight in one word, it would just be like Christ-likeness. Right. Um, but uh, the way that that works out in particulars uh, is, is wonderful to see because it is working out. Um, the second thing that I look for, and it's along this, the lines of this Christ-likeness in terms of artists, is this uh, authenticity, which... We put humility first. We talked about this before the podcast because uh, if I were to say authentic, a lot of people are like, well, that just means whatever you are, you are. And yes, but some people are genuinely, honestly, and really jerks. And, <laughs> and uh, My authentic me is not, <laughs> right. not good all the time. Exactly. And so... Um, we're, I am looking for authenticity, but I, in some ways I want it to be uh, subject to humility in the sense that um, if you are seeking yourself and you're authentic, then your work becomes all about self-expression um, and you don't actually care whether or not it's, it is doing anything benefiting the, the listener or the audience. And that obviously does not contribute to a collaborative partnership in the arts or even patronage. So 
Um, I, but I am still looking for authenticity. I'm looking for artists that are self-aware and transparent. Um, and partly it, there's a certain courage that's involved in that authenticity that I'm looking for because they're not necessarily conforming themselves to the superficial external uh, requirements of you know the art at large. So in some ways, this actually has a direct effect on their art. Um, that they're willing to make the art that they like and that they think that they can do well. Because in some ways, if you're like, how do I serve the world? Rather than, you, there's two ways of going about it. You can say there are these certain needs or these certain wants of the people around me. Or you could say, well, first, let me think, what am I good at? What am I really, really gifted at? And um, a lot of these artists uh, that, that have this kind of authenticity, they have come to that conclusion. I'm really good at this particular kind of thing or this particular kind of music or this particular kind of writing, and it's what I do well. And I could try to write in a way that I don't do well because that's w what apparently people want, but that wouldn't be true to what God has given me to give to the world. And so I'm going to give to the world what he's given me, even if it's not in high demand right this moment, and I'm going to be confident that God will use that in the ways that he sees fit because that's what he gave me to give. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, and there's obviously balance there that has to happen, but that is what I'm looking for in terms of the artists that are on there. I, I, I think that there's a whole lot too much posturing and pretense in uh, the arts, especially in the arts within the church. And when you find those artists who are humble and yet at the same time boldly courageous, which usually go together, ironically, right. yeah. um, to do the things that God have given them, that man, those are the those are the the artists that really I feel like are making really solid and good and worthy things in the world right now. Uh, the third thing is service, and it's connected to that. That's totally what we just talked about. It's what yeah. we just talked about because if you have this self awareness and you have this transparency um, and humility. Uh, together and then you're you're balancing that against this desire to give what God has given you in the service of others and mm -hmm. the service of these hosts then that's when that partnership actually develops that's when the 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 art starts to actually bear fruit in the lives of others and in some ways you you learn to hone and you learn a little bit more like what kind of art you should be making in that particular community um most artists right now are making art in a void one way or the other. Right. Even if you do have a huge audience of people, there's th it's not like you can go and just speak to, you know, the conglomerate of the millions of people that listen to your music on Spotify, and you're not going to get a clear idea of what it is that they need. You're only going to get a some semi-clear idea of the things that they have in the past liked. Mm -hmm. And you can maybe say, well, in order to maintain their interest, I need to continue to make that thing. But yep. that's not actually necessarily even serving them because, again, you're not actually uh, contributing to their growth and their development. But if you could sit down with you know, hosts in a whole area and have that kind of a community and actually sit down with them, talk with them, be like, where are you at right now? Mm. What is it that you need? What would you like me to write about or to, to you know, whatever about? Um, you know, what would what would serve you right now? And all of a sudden you start getting commissioned and you start getting feedback 
and you're, you, that affects the kind of art that you make in a very direct and particular way and not just in some general superficial way. Totally. And um, so that we are working for that too. And of course, we want artists who are interested in that, in that process, in that process of collaboration and partnership. Because you can talk about making art in community and that can just sound like a catchphrase right. or just fluff. It's like, yeah, you know, I want to make music and have people around. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this is like, this means something. Mm-hmm. It means that when you make art, sometimes it's at the request or because of a conversation or, you know, even financially commissioned or, you know, born out of an experience that you had with these different people. So it, it really does mean something very practical and generative to to be a part of this community um, and to create, you know, within and from this community. So far, we've seen it really working well. Yeah, um, it's, it's awesome. It really has been amazing. And uh, we have, uh, like you said, 200 hosts, uh, 45 active musicians. Um, we have a wonderful team of volunteers Just, that have come on. They're yeah. like the when I say volunteers, it's like the worst because people are like, oh, you mean like, uh, you know, people in college or right out of high school, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. These these are people getting like masters in art and theology and all this yep. stuff, you know? Yep. It's like <laughs> artists in their own uh, artists right. Artists on their own right. All and, kinds of, yeah. yeah. And they're they're all like extremely thoughtful. I, I mean, I they're awesome. And, uh, and then we have uh, a new uh, team of kind of hybrid uh, – communications people and everything mm-hmm. like we've we've gone from a team of what three or four to about a team of 12 now yeah so i guess it would be five six plus three about ten nine or ten okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay uh and then uh that's been really awesome to see that developing in that way and just the growth like seriously that's the last year and yeah the last thing is we hope to scale this even more because we have an app in the works right now, and we're hoping that it will be rolled out. It's a back-end app. It's not going to be like on your iPhone or whatnot. It'll just be on the internet. Um, but it will allow for hosts and artists to create profiles, view each other's profiles, uh, collate availability. It will not affect any of the things about the network that have been great, that are personal, and that require personal interaction. But it's going to save us a lot of just the mechanical grudge, mechanical drudge, tedium, tedium. Hopefully, yeah. Lord willing. Yeah, the the way that we are planning on scaling is through that app and through the team. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening and for being patient with us. I am sorry uh, about the delay between the last podcast and this one, Um, but I am going to be on it. I have new priorities, and I'm 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 dedicated to being a more responsible human being on this earth. (laughs) In the area of podcasts, in the area of podcasts, and so we're on a a one per month schedule right now, and I am going to do my very best to get you one decent podcast a month, (laughs) and you'll have help. Yeah, I'll have help. So, and stay tuned because uh, we have one of our uh, new uh, volunteer slash employees. I, I don't. She's kind of in a hybrid model, but yeah, uh, yeah she uh, she's going to be coming on. Her name's Abby Sitterly, and she's a journalist and a storyteller, and has been uh, really helpful in doing the host interviews. So, if you've read any of those host interview uh, blog articles, that's her work. And we're going to come uh, and, and talk about that next time. So 
the next podcast will be uh, me and Abby talking about intentional communities. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Labrie and Larch and, uh, and oh, some man. other stuff. So, that sounds uh, awesome. I, yeah, yeah. You're not invited. I, I don't want to be. <laughs> I want to listen to that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Underqualified. So see you guys later. Thanks. Thanks for sticking with us. When Justice and I were together, we didn't discuss what song we wanted to play at the end of this podcast, but we just finished uh, recording and mixing a live record for a band called The Local Hangups, which actually happens to include Abby Sitterly. And they have a song about how nice it is to play in front of people at a live audience that they did at a private porch light concert that we were able to record. So we're just going to play a little bit of that concert right now. This is a song called Face to Face by the local hangups. This is our fourth house show of our tour on Porch Light, which is great. I forgot to introduce us, we are the local hangups and we're from Rochester, New York, which is super cold right now. So we're certainly happy to be here where it's over 50 degrees. Um, we started our band in March of 2020, which uh, was a rather uneventful year, but um, <laughs> that's definitely a lie. <laughs> Yeah, um, so basically we had to start our band in a time where connectivity and playing with people in the room was not allowed. Um, so we did a lot of live streams, but we're certainly happy to be here and to play for some actual faces. So, um, on that note, this is Face to Face. All my friends are mad. Till we have faces again.